podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike. Uh, the Fin Fans Podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Alright, it's uh, Tuesday. I was going to say Wednesday because I'm so used to saying Wednesday, but it's Tuesday. And I'm um, here with Jim Johnson. Hey everybody. And Louis Argoni. Hello, hello, hello Dolphins. How'd you like the uh, Pro Bowl, guys? I can't comment on it. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that, Mike. Why would you throw that out there to start the show when you know I didn't even watch the doggone thing? You mean there was a Pro Bowl? When was that on? Oh, well, it, they called it a Pro Bowl. What what you saw was flag football. It was horrible. But that's a whole other story. Let's talk about Zach Thomas. Well, did Jim. you watch it, Mike? I watched it over my shoulder. Let's put it that way. Okay. That's a nice trick. Yeah, yeah. I watched it over my shoulder. I was doing other things, and every time, every once in a while, I, I turned around. I saw Tan Hill's interception. I oh, saw, he threw a pick. Yeah, I saw that. All right. Um, but uh, I got to admit, I didn't watch one one minute of the game. I, I knew it was going to be terrible. But what I did watch was some of the talent uh, contests, you know, the days leading up oh, to okay. it. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, I, I did not see that. And some of those were pretty good. They had the quarterbacks throwing at a, a, a board with a bunch of holes in the board, uh-huh. and uh, they had defensive backs trying to stop the passes. And uh, it was pretty cool to see. You could, but even in that, you know, some of the some of the guys were trying harder than the others. So it was, uh, you know, it, it was what it was. But uh, it's it's good to see some of the quarterbacks that can throw that ball through a, a little hole at twenty yards. So. Who won that competition, Jim? You know, I don't recall who won. I didn't watch the whole thing start to finish because it's kind of time-consuming, but I, I did watch uh, Russell Wilson and several other guys throwing it around, and and it was uh, at least entertaining anyway. So, Well, yeah. re- real quick, I watched um, – I'm sorry, Mike. Just okay. let, me, let me get to that yeah. real quick. Yeah. Uh, Philip Rivers, I watched him in one of those, and he was absolutely lights out, and you wouldn't think of him as being that type of quarterback because – He's got a real awkward delivery when he throws the football, more so than anybody else in the NFL right now. So, But watching him throw the football, I mean, he has mustard on every throw, and you can understand why he's been around for so long. And he was the most accurate guy. He won the competition when I watched it. So it was, when was, it was interesting. I don't, Mike, I want to say it was last year. Okay. Because I know they haven't been doing these skill type things for very long. It's only been two or three years maximum. I think they may have started it last year or the year before. I could be wrong on that, but it had to be. I remember uh, Marino and, and. Oh, no, no, no. You're going way back. That yeah. was a whole court. This is a, this is an every position thing now, Jim, right? Where the receivers do a catching thing and all that, right? Yeah, that was the deal. And uh, I, like I said, I didn't watch all of it, but I did see that one section with the quarterback and the defensive backs. And I and I thought it was pretty cool the way they did it. And, uh, you know, it you know some of the defensive backs, I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick was out there and, and, and he was he was trying to sh- show off a little bit. And uh, but, you know, even he got burned. And then Stephen Gilmore, you know, he he didn't look so good, but I don't I don't think he was trying that hard. But uh, it was still an entertaining, uh, you know, event to watch. Yeah, right. I, I, I never like to comment on somebody's effort because you never really know how hard they're trying. You know, they may not look like they're trying hard, but they could have been. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Zach Thomas is uh, 
up for the Hall of Fame Saturday. They're going to announce it, I guess, during the NFL Honors special. Yeah. Saturday evening. Uh, any thoughts on that, Jim? Well, you know, I'm a believer that Zach belongs in the Hall. And, uh, you know, I've been promoting him, you know, on my own Facebook page and social media. Yeah, we've been voting and voting and voting. Yeah, and we've been voting. And, uh, you know, when I looked at the the... You know, the modern era players that were eligible, I think there was 15 players. You look at their accolades and their stats. Zach's got 1,700-some-odd tackles and seven Pro Bowls and five All-Pro selections. Uh, Those things speak for themselves. There's only one guy out of all of those uh, modern era players that has more of more Pro Bowls or All-Pros. And it's one of the offensive linemen, I forget actually, but when you look at those things, I mean, he should be a lock for those guys that are going in. But, uh, you know, that remains to be seen. We'll have to wait and see, unfortunately. Well, if Armando Salguero made a good case, then he should be in. We'll see. That's it. Lewis, your thoughts? Uh, I mean, Zach, based on what Jim just said in regard to all the statistics that he compiled over his career, is deserving of it. Um, you know, I've kind of, when you look at the Hall of Fame, you don't think of, you know, we, we grew up, we, we've been doing this for a long time, Mike. We've been following football yep. since the 70s. So you don't necessarily look at Zach as a Dick Buckus type right. or that he's type of player. He's not a Dick Buckus. He's not a Lawrence Taylor. He's, he's not, not a Ray Nischke. Right. He's or, not, or even Ray Lewis. Or Ray Lewis, exactly. So, you know, in regard to that, and the baseball's doing the same thing, and that's a whole other story. It, it's somewhat watered down to an extent, especially with the way the game is played nowadays. But Zach's numbers, you know, they Jim Jim hit on it. You know, they're there. Uh, he's deserving of it. I believe he, was, he should he be was, there. He was really, really a consistent player. He, he, and that's what you admire about him. I mean, he really, you know, he was a high-effort player. He was a high-study player. Uh, you didn't fool him. Right. Seven Pro Bowls, like yeah. Jim said. I mean, four, five first-team All-Pros, which goes even a step further than a Pro Bowl. And he was a two-time second-team All-Pro. So this guy was basically one of the best linebackers in the NFL. I mean, we're not talking about an AFC, NFC. We're talking about collectively between the whole league. When you're a five-time first-team All-Pro, that means you're one of the best three linebackers in the NFL over those five years. So, you know, with that being said, you know, the guy is deserving. Now, there's a lot of competition on the board. And to me, the offensive guys always have an advantage. And, you know, I don't I guess that's just the way some people look at it, but doesn't it seem like there's always a lot more offensive type players on these type skill positions, right? And, um, you know, that could hurt him, but we'll see what happens. I mean, he's very deserving, and I think whether he gets in this year or somewhere down, he's going to get in somewhere down the line, whether it's this year or next year or the year thereafter. I think so, too, and I hope it's this year. Yes. Um, I really do, because I, I, you know, he deserves it in my opinion. You know, it's like you know, comparing him to the greats. It's tough to do because he wasn't the type of player to get or 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 force a lot of turnovers. He didn't have a lot of big game changing plays uh, like his brother in law Jason Taylor. But uh, he was still a great, great linebacker, and you know, I hope he's I hope he's recognized. Mike, he had 17 interceptions over his career. So Yeah, but he played I'm, 13 years, right? 
Yeah, but yeah. I mean, look around the NFL nowadays. I mean, how many linebackers do you see picking off passes game in and game out? I mean, I know it's somewhat of a different game yeah. from when Zach yeah, played. Yeah, they're throwing but, a lot more. But, you know, he he had 17 interceptions. He forced 17 fumbles over his career. So that's 34 turnovers that he was responsible for. And believe it or not, he scored four touchdowns over his career. So he did make plays, you know, more so than you see a lot of these linebackers nowadays. I mean, our leading linebacker, and I know this is a bad comparison, but how many interceptions did our our best linebacker have this year? A guy like Baker or or any of them. Put them collectively together and how many interceptions did our linebackers have as a group? You know, it, it's not a lot. That is a bad comparison. I think you could put all of all of our linebackers for the last 10 years and it probably wouldn't have that many turnovers. Right. My my point is this is that, you know, for a guy that was an exceptional tackler and he really was. He, he was. was an incredible tackler. He was still able to stay on the field in passing situations. He was a three-down linebacker. He was a three-down linebacker and he did a damn good job of it. Better to your point, Jim, better than any linebacker that we've had since him. I, I can't think of a guy that was a better pass coverer than he was. I mean, you guys come up with somebody. No, it <laughs> doesn't can't. exist, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, Zach broke all the rules. I mean, he was too small, he wasn't fast enough, and all of the above, and, and he just went out and, and proved everybody wrong on a, a day-in and day-out basis. Uh, you know, But he, you know, my point is he, he was a guy who put his head down and went to work. He studied, and you know, when he was supposed to be studying, he took care of his body when he was supposed to be taking care of his body. And on game day, you knew you were going to get a good game out of Zach Thomas. Yeah, those stories are legendary, Mike, yep. in regard to his study, his studying habits. Yep. Um, you know, the things, I don't know if you guys read any of that stuff, but it was phenomenal. I mean, I read some great stuff about how he used to go in and how, you know, and, and study and then ask for different angles and, you know, camera angles and this and that to see what teams were doing. I mean, he was a student of the game. I mean, I wish we had 11 guys like him on our football team on, on the defensive side. We'd have a lot more wins. Absolutely. All right. So let's get your guys' thoughts on the on the season as a whole and on the coaching staff and the coaching changes just put it all together for me and, and give me an idea you know of your thoughts on the season uh Lou why don't you take that first well i mean let me start off by saying i'm a little pissed off about how well the coaching staff did this year because it's going to cost us a pretty damn good quarterback and um that's the frustrating part of it because we were in a position, and Burroughs just came out of nowhere. I mean, all the talk was about Tua, and now Burroughs is the guy. And we, coming into the season, felt that we had a better chance than anybody, and Cincinnati had to go and screw that up for us, and we had to go and screw it up for ourselves. So with that being said, I'm a little mad, you know, but jokingly mad. Uh, the coaching staff did a great job this year with what they had to work with. We've we've touched on it, I think, week in and week out. As the season progressed, uh, you saw just a phenomenal job, week in and week out. I mean, guys coming and going, injuries. Um, they, they basically, my God, every, in, every week for a while there, it seemed like we were losing some key guys. I mean, you sign Xavier Howard to a big contract, and basically – 
he wasn't a participant in this season. He had no effect on this year whatsoever. I think he played, what, a handful of games for us. And, you know, we were without him. We were without a running back for the majority of the season. And we were able to somehow win five football games. So, you know, in regard to the coaching staff, I think they did a great job of evaluating. I think they did a great job of basically changing their philosophies to put us in a position to win week in and week out. I don't think they were going to go into this season thinking that they were going to throw the ball 40 times uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing it to boot. And that's eventually what happened because they recognized that that was our best chance of winning football games. And, you know, in the end, we wound up winning five football games and competing in many others. So, you know, with that being said, I thought it was a, a pretty productive season. I think that they're going in the right direction. It's a matter of just getting some real horses in here and um, some players that are going to be game changers, and, and we'll be fine. But the coaching staff, I think, is uh, putting us in the right direction. Are, are you confident in this coaching staff going forward? Well. And what do you think of the coaching staff changes overall? Does that concern you, or you think it's a good idea? Well, it, it it does concern you anytime. I mean, you know, we touched on this before either. I mean, before um, in weeks past. And, you know, the thing is, you don't like to see change. You want consistency. And, um, you know, unfortunately, in the NFL nowadays, that's the way it is. Guys move on. If they do a good job, they're going to move on. They're going to get promoted to a better position. They're going to move to a different team. It's just the way it is. It's the nature of the game now. As long as the guy that's running the show is there, then we have to have confidence in the decisions he's making in regard to bringing in these new guys. And and that's what it boils down to, Mike. You know, it, it's that simple. You have to have faith in the guys that are up top. And all of that trickles down to the guys that are, you know, uh, working for them. Uh, which is basically what it comes down to. And then, of course, the players have got to, you know, we've got to get players in here. You know, it's as simple as that. And if you look at the evaluating that they've done and the decisions that they made, you know, we got rid of a lot of dead weight this year. I mean, I truly believe we did that. And there'll be more dead weight gone next year. I think they did a very good job of bringing in some guys that are going to be on this football team for years to come. So, Yes, you have to have faith in them because uh, there's there's nothing to show you anything different at this point. How do you feel, Jim? Well, Lou summed up most of my opinion on on all of this pretty well. Uh, there's a, a couple little tweaks that I'll add. You know, we started out the season, we looked absolutely terrible, unprepared, and it was just flat out ugly. I think it's fair to say they were unprepared. They were all brand new. Well, yeah, but I was getting ready to say we had so many new bodies and so many people were coming in and going out. Literally, the first few games were the new people's first week or two in the organization, and they had no way to prepare or know what's going on. But every game we improved, you saw improvement. You saw players in position. You saw people making plays. And, you know, that... That was huge to me that they went from as bad as they were with as little talent as they had to making game adjustments and putting people in the right places and things started to come together. And you you started to believe that, well, maybe the wheels aren't coming completely off the bus and maybe this coach, Brian Flores, is the guy. 
you know, we got through the season, things got better, we won a few games, you know, half the people were mad that we won too many games and all that jazz, but to me, those wins probably mean more to the team and the and the building of the culture than a few a few draft positions. I, uh, I think it's bittersweet. Yeah, it is. It definitely does. I mean, I would have loved to have had the number one or two pick. That would have changed things come April. But hey, it is what it is. We won some games and, and that's great for the team overall. But when you look at it as a whole, I was pretty impressed really that Flores made changes, you know, you know, we changed the offensive line coach, uh, you know, and then when the season wrapped up, he, you know, he fired his offensive coordinator like immediately. So he had to have known going into that, that that was his plan for whatever reason. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the Chan Gailey thing, but it remains to be seen how it's going to play out. And, you know, everybody says, well, all these coaches are nobodies and, and Gailey didn't have a lot of success in all this jazz, but blah, blah, blah. Exactly. <laughs> it's all like just static noise because, you know, Flores isn't going to have, you know, a hundred different people lining up for these jobs. He's going to have to pick the the people that are available. There was a method to his madness, Jim. Yeah. He wants a running game. Yep. And and this is what I'm saying. You know, it, as long as Flores is the guy and he's the legitimate A number one head coach that we've been looking for, then I'm just comfortable to let him make his decisions, put the people in that he wants. If he's not happy, he's going to throw them off the bus and get somebody else to do it. I've already seen that. So I'm tickled with that rather than the last couple of regimes, you know, just staying with guys that aren't working out one way or the other. So uh, I like it. Uh, Whether how it's going to work remains to be seen, but but I'm I'm excited for the future looking forward. I am, too. As I said to you just a minute ago, I I believe the motivation behind the Gailey hiring was they want to be more run-focused. We were not able to run the ball. And, you know, they also were, you know, changed the offensive line coach. We were not able to run the ball. Nope. You know, and it matters. You know, they, they had Fitzpatrick dropping back to pass, you know, almost every play. You're not going to be successful that way. Uh, you're just not. You're not going to win games that way. You have to get players in here, Mike. I mean, yeah, I, you know, yeah, but- you're not going to run the football with the running backs we had and the offensive line that we had last year. And I don't care if it's Vince Lombardi coaching that that team this year. It, it just wasn't going to happen. You just didn't have the players to do it. In regard to Gailey, if there is something to be concerned about and there is something that, you know, you're kind of scratching your head about, as you guys both talked about, Jim brought it up as well. I mean, I'm in agreement on that. I mean, if there is something to question, I think that's it because this guy's a dinosaur. And um, I understand your point totally, Mike. I, I really do. I mean, we do need a running game. You can't win consistently with Fitzpatrick throwing the ball 40 times a game. He's not Pat Mahomes. Um, you know, but you have to get the players here. I mean, you know, if well, let, me, let me ask you something. Is it possible that, that Flores watched the practices, watched the games, and felt like between his entire group of offensive linemen, he wasn't seeing progression? 
Mike, you know, I, I don't know. I can't answer that question. And I honestly, I, I don't think that a coach like Gailey is going to make all that much a difference. I really don't. I no, think but that, I'm, I'm talking about the offensive line change. The, well, the off, you're talking about the offensive line coach Correct. change as well? Correct. I mean, Correct. yeah, that's, that's possible. But again, you have to have players. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, the, we the, all know that. We gray, know that. We grades, need the Richmond Webbs. We, right, we need the, the Keith Sims. We the, know that. The, the, the way that these guys were grading out week in and week out, Mike, it doesn't matter who's coaching them. They have to get players on that offensive line. They have to get a running back. There's no question right, about then it. I'm going to be a dinosaur for a second, okay? Because I remember Larry Little and then Bob Kuchenberg and a, a Jim Langer and linemen that were cast off from other teams that, that came here and were coached up and became good linemen. And all I'm saying is maybe, maybe, I don't know that it's true, but maybe Flores feels that these players were not being coached up correctly. It's That's my feeling as well, Mike. I, uh, you know, you see this all the time with offensive linemen. They, they tend to come out of nowhere, and whether it's just a certain style of a coach or a certain basics or fundamentals, I don't know, but you see... I mean, you see Billy could Turner. Scheme. It could be a number of things. Yeah, you see some of our castoffs that go on and have a you know a decent career. So uh, you know they were terrible here and and are playing for other teams. So uh, you know there's something to be said about the the offensive line coach. It does happen, guys. But again, you have to get at least a couple of you really makers. really yes. solid guys. You can't put. Five guys across the line that are basically cast-offs from other teams and expect to win football games. It's not going to happen. You got to get a left tackle. You have to get a better center, as far as I'm concerned, and you got to get you got to get a right tackle. I mean, it's it's that simple. I mean, I think they need three solid players across that line right now. I mean, all these guys that played for us last year are here for a reason. And yeah, you may get lucky and get one or two guys that develop into really solid players, but we need five offensive linemen. That's the way I'm looking at it right now. Well, I mean, the talk is, Lou, they are going to almost completely revamp the line this year. But that's the talk. We have to see it happen. Right. And and you got to hope that Dieter progresses. I mean, you know, he was a rookie. But, I mean, you know, as far as I'm concerned, they've got to replace pretty much the other four guys across that line. I mean, Kildor... You know he's old and he's not very good. It's that simple. He's, he's got two. He's good, got right. he's got two things working against him. Yep. And you know Davis didn't progress, and maybe that is coaching. Maybe it's not. But as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I look at it this way: if there's a guy in front of me, I'm kicking his ass, and that's the bottom line. And if and if you're getting your ass kicked, then there's a problem. I don't care who's coaching you. It's that simple. I mean, there's only so much coaches can do for players. Eventually, they have to produce. So we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens going in the next season. And and we'll see if any of these guys are even around at this point, you know, next year. All right. We we, we talked about Flores wanting to rush, run more and, and have a better rushing offense. I think when you look at the playoffs and you look at roster construction, Seven of the top 10 teams that uh, qualified for the playoffs are teams that ran the most times. Uh, And those teams were Baltimore and Seattle and Minnesota and San Francisco, uh, Buffalo, Philadelphia, and Tennessee in that order. 
So they had the most rushing attempts, Mike, is what you're saying? rushing okay. attempts this season. Now, okay. you know, they, they had the lead, and, uh, you know, some of the times so that factors into it. Uh, but that's impressive. And I, I think it tells you that you need to control the ball and, and you need to gain yardage on the ground. When you can complete some first downs running the ball and control the clock, that, that like puts a dagger in the heart of the other team. And, and if you can't do that, they feel they have a chance. And that's where you get into trouble. Well, you know, uh, we were 30th in rushing. So, you know, that, that tells you where we fell. Now, uh, the outliner is, is Kansas City. They were 24th in rushing. But they're exceptional, Mike. I mean, they, they are. Have, they have the probably the best quarterback and Tyreek Hill. I mean, they they just have dynamic players. I mean, Kelsey is probably. I mean, you can say he's probably the best tight end in the NFL, right? I mean, you would you would make a case for that. So they have dynamic players. So they, you know they they're yep. able to do that. Yep. Um, they, most teams aren't. Go they're ahead. also they're also passing the ball to run as well. So uh, you know that. You know, instead of just handing the ball Now let's talk about the teams that threw it the fewest amount of times. Uh, We we mentioned Baltimore ran it the most. They also threw it the least. Uh, Tennessee was second. I think that might be quarterback related, but maybe not. Uh, Third was San Francisco, (laughs) and that was a joke, guys. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I was going to say Bazinga, but I didn't want to interrupt you, Mike, way uh after, but yeah, I got it. Go ahead. Uh, fourth was Washington, fifth was Buffalo, sixth was Minnesota, seventh was, was Houston, eighth was Oakland, ninth was Seattle, and tenth was Denver. So a lot you of still, teams still there. see a lot of playoff teams there. So, you know, and what is what thought of as a passing league is starting to swing a little bit the other way. So I, I think uh, that that kind of tells you why the Dolphins are going to revamp or should revamp that offensive line. And why they brought in Chan Gailey to to help instill a run offense. This is just my theory now. You know, I could be totally wrong, and they could have Fitzpatrick throw fifty times a game next year. But I think that they are going to transition to much more of a running game. Well, they should. I mean, they have to, Mike. We yeah. already talked about that, and I mean, I think we touched on this la- on last week's podcast that the NFL is kind of you know going back to more of a running type offense and then playing defense and winning your football games and if you well, how'd you know where i was going <laughs> in regard to what where are you going i don't know I'm, where you're going i'm, I'm in the middle well, of making a comment here uh-huh. well i'm going right to right to the top defenses okay ah, okay the top defenses go yes. ahead well let's go ahead you yeah and then i'll I'll, yes. I'll finish it up go ahead new england was first san francisco second buffalo third baltimore fourth Steelers fifth, Chargers, Jets, Bears, Cowboys, and Eagles. Okay. So those were your top defenses. Gotcha. And again, there's about five. Well, the top four on that list. There are five playoff teams there. Right. Yes. And the top four were all uh, playoff teams. Correct. Wow. Yeah. And I'm sure some of the other teams that were in there weren't far behind. You know, I know you. Well, the Steelers weren't far behind. Uh, well, no, the Steelers weren't in the playoffs. I'm saying no, the no. Other no. I mean, teams. I thought you meant behind the playoff teams. You know. No, 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 no. The playoff teams that weren't in the top 10 in regard to defense, I'm sure they're not far behind the top Correct. 10. Correct. Gotcha. Gotcha. Right. Yeah, it's just a trend coming around the other way in the NFL right now. 
Well, it is because the defense has got lighter to cover the pass, and that team's just saying, okay, well, you're going to put all those light people in. We're going to smash you into the ground. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you plan for the pass, and, and, you know, you put Larry Zonka busting through the middle, and, and you got a big problem. Uh-huh. You're seeing teams that play defense in the playoffs. Um, you're not having this wide-open offense, offensive-type things. And, you know, you got defensive players running all over the place. I think teams are concentrating more on playing real consistent defense. They understand that that's, you know, that, that's going to get them into the playoffs and win you a lot of football games. And um, teams are drafting that way, it seems. Uh, you know, let's just hope that we start getting some real, real solid players on our team that are game changers because if you look at San Francisco and and how they play defense and just the way they just change games around on the defensive side of the football, it's a great thing to watch. And Seattle did it for years as well with the Legion of Doom. Uh, defense is always going to win you a Legion lot of football of games. Legion of Boom or Doom? Legion of uh, Boom Doom, whatever they were. <laughs> boom Doom. What were they? What what the Legion of? It was the Legion of Boom, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was the Legion of Boom. Okay. Legion of Boom. Yep. They had they had all those hitters in the backfield, so it was boom. They were they were very, very they were very, very good defense, and San Francisco's a good defense. We've got to get to that point, you know, where to, we have to play better defense. If you look at our, you know, our team over the last so many years, I mean, I can you guys remember the last time we had a, a, even a solid defense? I mean, how many years back is it? Well, hasn't it since Zach and uh, JT were playing? Yeah. Probably. I think there was a couple of years after them that th- that we were somewhat solid. But um, you know, I, when we had Dansby I, here, I think that wasn't a bad. Yeah, I don't they, think were, that they, was were, a, they were mediocre. They I were know medi- what you're talking right. About. I mean, but Mike, we're not. E- we haven't been mediocre in no. a while. I mean, no, we've no. just been plain and simply bad. I mean. You know, it, it's got to get better. And, you know, it, it starts by, you know, getting some real solid players here. You know, same thing. We You know, we go back to the same thing. Offensive line, we got to get defensive players in here that can just change games around. I mean, you so see- all, all this all this brings me to, you know, the roster building, the, the roster construction, Lewis. OK. OK. Now, we we. Already determined we need an offensive line. I mean, that's no secret. Everybody listening to the show knows we need an offensive line. We're not telling anybody anything but that they don't know. But do you think that if you're going to be this physical running team, that quarterback is as important as people are making it out to be? Or do you think you can get by with a lesser quarterback who's maybe a Garoppolo-type quarterback who's efficient and, and not, uh, you know, a Mahomes. Well, I mean, look look around the NFL and look at the teams that were right there, Mike. I mean, Minnesota were Kirk Cousins. I know he had a nice contract, but they were there simply because – they were in the playoffs because their defense was solid and their running game was exceptional. They were the, one of the best running teams in football. You go to San Francisco, same formula. You go to Tennessee in the championship game. Same formula. You know, New England was in the playoffs. They weren't a very good team offensively at all, but they played 
exceptional defense and Brady had an average year. They were in the playoffs. I mean, Mahomes is an exception to the rule. Look at Green Bay. We'll use them as an example as well. Their whole philosophy changed this year. I mean, Rodgers was not airing it out like he has in years past. They ran the ball very, very well, and they played very solid defense, and they were in the playoffs and in the championship game. So, uh, to answer your question, I don't think it, it's a major necessity. I think that Fitzpatrick proved this year that he can run a football team and manage it very well. He didn't turn the ball over, uh, even throwing the ball 40 times a game. Now, if they get any kind of semblance of a running game in here and some kind of offensive line, I think he'll be probably more productive than he was last year. So I think that eventually you do have to get a franchise quarterback, a guy that that does make plays. We need a young guy because regardless of whether Fitzpatrick yeah. starts for us next year or not, uh, he's only going to be here one – he's only on the contract for one more year and he's going to be 39 years old. So it, it, we have to get a quarterback here. But to answer your question, is it – as important as people may think it is, absolutely not. And we've touched on this before. I would love for them to get a game changer, you know, on that offensive line that's a dominant player or on the defensive line that's an absolutely dominant player. Um, you know, we need those type of guys. And if the quarterback's not there, then then let's not push the issue, you know, at that right. number five position. You know, let's not reach. Oh, that's that's a whole nother discussion. Uh, but uh, you know, I mean, in my mind, Lou, the the quarterback is changing in the league. I mean, it used to be you wanted the Philip Rivers type guy. You wanted the pocket passer who had a really good arm and and could air it out. Andrew Luck, another guy, you know, good pocket passer could air it out. He may be a little more mobile than uh, Rivers, but not not a ton. Um, now I think you you want that quarterback who can extend plays, who can you know uh, pick up those third downs that that uh, and, and create second chance opportunities for his receivers. And I, I just think that's the way the league is going. I think they're going to a more athletic quarterback, not necessarily as athletic as uh, Jackson, but more athletic, like the guy in Buffalo. You know, uh, he he's a good example. You know, he can run, he can he can pick up a third down if he needs to, and he's still got a decent arm to air it when he has to. He just needs to become more uh, consistent. But I think that's the type of quarterback that teams are starting to go to uh, rather than your pure pocket passers that we're used to with Marino and some of the other guys. Yeah, when you first started this question, Mike, uh, you know, you were kind of like, is the quarterback as important uh, if you're going with this heavy run game. And to me, that was kind of scary right there because we need to focus on getting the best quarterback that we can at this point. Um, we definitely well, always, right? No, you're yeah, gonna, uh, yeah. You're not going to take a guy who's, you know, yeah, 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 well, yeah. That kind of yeah. rattled my KJ when you were saying that. I'm like, I, I don't want to settle for the number four quarterback again. I, we I need think, you know, Greer said he's looking for intangibles, and I think he's dead on. Exactly. That and, says it all. And, I like that. I like that. Yep. The running game is phenomenal. I, I want to see it. We have to see it. You just have to be able to run the ball. But there's going to come a time where you, you can't run the ball to win the game. You're going to have to put the game in the quarterback's hands. Exactly. And, and if you have that average quarterback, you know, Lou, you mentioned Kirk Cousins. And, and you know, we saw Ryan Tannehill in the playoffs. Um, 
you know, when you put the weight on their shoulders is when they tend to disappear. And I, I'm not knocking these guys. They're they've highly talented guys, but they don't have that play extending crazy pull it out of the back of their pants type of win the game deal. And this is the type of thing that you need to see. When it comes to crunch time, the guy that makes a play wins the game. The guy that, you know, goes into the fetal position, usually goes home in second place. Okay, well, with that being said, with what you saw out of Fitzpatrick this year, is 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 he capable of doing that on a team that needs well, to... Well, yeah, because he has so much experience, Lewis. His instincts no, yeah, were but Mike, spot Mike, on. Mike, forget about, forget about the, you know, the reasons behind. I'm asking you a simple yes or no question. Is, do you guys feel that with what you've seen out of him this year and what he did, is he that type of guy that the where you guys would feel comfortable if they build a team around him to where if we needed points at the end of a game, is he going to get the job done? I mean, what do you guys think? Well, he, he's a bridge quarterback, Lou. He we're not building this team up for for. No, I understand that. I'm talking but, about. I'm talking. It's just a simple yes or no. Question. You guys are yes, good. yes. I I think Fitzpatrick. Can, we watched him do it time th- and time again. I think again. he had a fantastic season, Lewis. Okay, but Mike, yes or no? Are you comfortable with him? You're still not answering. It's just a yes because or I no. Don't, I don't know if we're going to get that per- same level of performance again. If no. we are, then I would say yes. We're, right. Well, that's all I. That's all I wanted to here i'm just basing it on what we saw out of him this year that was the question what we saw out of him are you guys comfortable with him in those situations and me personally i feel the same way now is he a guy that i want here for the next three or four years and then resigning him to a contract probably not but going in the next season because that's the season in front of us uh, i feel that if we're building a team and the quarterback, you know, we we draft a young guy, and um, he's not necessarily on the field. I feel that Fitzpatrick is fine. I think that he's more than capable of doing just what we're talking about right now, even in a playoff game. He has the experience, as you mentioned, Mike. I didn't want to get into the details behind it, but I just wanted a simple yes or no answer, and I think we're all in agreement on that, that we would all feel somewhat comfortable with him as long as he continues to play the way he played. Right, as long as he continues to play, and you would assume that he would, especially if there's a little bit more talent around him. Correct. So, okay. But again, you know, getting back to what Jim said, you absolutely have to get the best quarterback in here. I mean, there's no question about it. I don't think any of us feel differently. I mean, you have to get the best available player. and um, He's got to be a step up from the guy we had here. And that's no knock on Tannehill, but he just did not have the intangibles that you're looking for. I I totally agree with you. And, um, you know, getting back to your point, Mike, in regard to the athletic quarterbacks in the league, um, listen, I, I don't care what the guy does. I really don't. I don't care if he's a pocket passer and he never runs the football, as long as he creates. Because Drew Brees is not a runner, Mike. And he's 40 years old, and he somehow gets the job done. Yeah, but he's an exception. You know, there are a few exceptions, but most of the guys now coming in but well, our our game our game extender or play extenders. I, and I get that. But my point is, is that I don't care. It doesn't matter how he gets it done as long as he gets it done. I mean, a lot of these guys like Deshaun Watson and some of these guys that are able to run, they're very inconsistent. You know, Here's the, I mean, here's the thing. 
it's a lot harder now to build an offensive line for a couple of reasons. One reason is colleges, for the most part, do it differently. Okay, they, they coach them differently, and they're running different offenses. They're running a lot of pistol and a lot of things that hasn't really translated to the NFL. Most of it is starting to, but it hasn't yet. So they have trouble getting the transition in some of these linemen. And because they don't see them do what they're going to ask them to do, they miss on many of them. And that leaves them with holes along the offensive line. The, the other thing is... There's only so many 300-pound linemen that are athletes, you know, uh, walking the planet. So, you know, it's harder to put an offensive line together today. And, and keep them together. Right, and keep them together because of free agency. And, and that's why they're looking, I believe, for those more athletic quarterbacks. It, it allows you a little more room for error along the line. Agreed. Absolutely. That makes all the sense in the world. But... When you go into this draft, Mike, this year or next year, whatever the case may be, uh -huh. you know, I'm not I'm not going to sit there and say, well, this guy we drafted is not as athletic as I would like a guy to be. If he goes out there and consistently does the job, that's all I want. Plain and simple. He well, doesn't listen, have to run. Tom Brady is not that athletic when it comes all. to running, right. but he finds a way like Marino did, to avoid sacks, get the ball out of bounds, do whatever he has to do. He's game smart. He's and intelligent. And if you have that, you're fine. Absolutely. That's my point totally, is that I'm not, you know, I don't want them to get enamored with a guy that's an athletic quarterback. I want a guy that goes out there and basically gets the job done. And I don't care how he gets it done. If he moves left, right, you know, backwards, forwards, around him. He's great in the pocket. He has great pocket presence, doesn't throw a lot of interceptions, makes great decisions. I don't need him to run the ball like some of these guys are doing it. I just don't. No, I'm not saying to that extreme. I'm just right. I'm just saying they have to have the instincts to extend the plays. They don't have to be Russell Wilson. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. I get it. I get it. So uh, let's talk about the Super Bowl. It's right around the corner. It is Jim. right around the corner yeah. from me, literally, Mike. I know. <laughs> Jim, who you like? This is a tough game for me to pick. I like both teams. Uh, we've That's been a cop out. I know. I'm getting to my pick, though. I'm just, I'm just hedging. Uh, you know, I've <laughs> liked the 49ers all year. I've been. You've heard me say on the podcast that they're just a really solid team. There's, there's no real weak spot to them. Uh, but I think. Kansas City has the has the required firepower to potentially do some damage to that to that defense. So I like the I like the Kansas City Chiefs uh, by about three points. I think it's going to be about 27-24. Uh, it's going to it could go either way. I'm not very you know like I wouldn't bet I wouldn't bet money on this pick, but uh, okay. that's that's what I'm going to say for now. So you're an Andy Reid guy, okay? What yep. about you, Lewis? Uh, defense. Running game, defense favors San Francisco. Running game favors San Francisco. Uh, I, I think they're a better football team so all Mike. the way around. The, the monkey wrench in all of it, Mike, is Garoppolo. And if he Garoppolo. goes out and throws Garoppolo, if he, if he goes out there and throws a stinker, um, much like Goff did last year, 
Yeah. Holy that, cow. That was ugly, wow. yeah. I mean, you know, you go into these games and, you know, the quarterback throws a stinker. Uh, that could be a problem. But, I mean, if if you look at these teams, I mean, Kansas City's defense is, is nowhere in comparison to what San Francisco's They rank 24th. Is. San Francisco's ranked second. Right. Yep. I mean, you know, yep. and the running game is just they, – they, they have an outstanding offensive line, a great running game. Uh, you know, Kansas City has our boy Damian Williams, and I love Damian Williams, but – uh, you're not going to worry about them. So you're going to be in a situation where San Francisco's defensive line is going to be able to fire off on, on Mahomes. And I think it's going to create a lot of problems. And I'll tell you what, I mean, if Garoppolo plays a solid football game, uh, I think they'll win by two touchdowns. I really do. I, you know, I, I love Kansas City. And I'm hoping that Andy Reid somehow gets a win here. But I just think San Francisco's a much better football well, team. Well, you know, I think you said it. If their defensive line affects um, the quarterback, they should win. Simple as that. And that line has been tremendous. And then on the other side of the ball, Kittle is just a matchup nightmare. And and on Kansas City side, you got Kelsey and and the receiver. And, you know, they're tough too. Absolutely. But uh, if you're harassing the quarterback, that kind of negates those weapons a little bit. So I really do think... Uh, as much as I'd rather Kansas City win, I, I do think San Francisco is going to. I think we're all pulling for Kansas City, yeah. but you know, I, I just can't find the reason to to take Kansas. Well, Mahomes City. is the reason, you know. Well, yeah, yes, Mike, but you know, it, it, Mahomes is one player, and yep. he's not going against Tennessee's defense. You right, know, he's not going against Houston's defense. He's going against. A very, very – probably the best defense. And I think they were the best defense in football this year. I mean, I know they were ranked number two. Who was ranked in front of them, Mike? Just I out of curiosity. Don't, I, I don't you know. Don't know. Um, you know, so – Oh, I'm sorry, New England. New England, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they were a better defense than New England. I'm sorry. They just were. Yeah, they, I think they, so, they, too. I mean, you play Seattle twice a year, the Rams yeah. and their offense twice a year. New England's playing us. Their front's much They're more dominant than Jets. New England's. <laughs> They're playing Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. I mean, it, I think I think San Francisco's defense had a lot tougher road to get to where they were at as compared to New England. So Agreed. So, for those reasons. And Buffalo's defense was third just for – conversation's sake. <laughs> right. Again, let's go back. Right. <laughs> let's so. repeat what we just said five seconds uh-huh. ago. That division, yeah. Yeah. It, it boosts those stats, no question. Jets were seventh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Miami was? Uh, way down. Way, way down. down. Way down. Down at the right. bottom. Yep. Down yep. at the bottom. <laughs> so, Although if you well, took the first four games of the season out, we were probably pretty good. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh-huh. And that so, giant game you got to throw yeah. out, too, because that was yeah. ugly. I th- well, yeah, I, I think after the bye, they got a little bit better. But come on, look who was on the field. We really didn't, you know. Uh-huh. Absolutely. You know, we all know what happened, so let's just move on. Um, is there anything else you guys want to add tonight? I don't think I got anything else to add, Mike. So uh, with that, we'll... How about uh, you, Lewis? I'm good. You're good. All right, I'm good, too. Uh, enjoy the Super Bowl, everybody. Thanks for listening, you guys. Thanks for joining me. And fins up. Mike, when are we back next week real quick? Same time, same channel. Okay, got it. Fins up, everybody. Fins up, Dolph fans.
Alright, so that's our show for this week. I just want to remind everyone that the FinFans podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. 